Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go! What's up, everybody? Welcome to Town TV. This is Brian here with Luke and Kathleen. And today, we're going to be talking the first two episodes of the new Hulu original series, A Murder at the End of the World, by creators Britt Marling and Zal Batmanglish? I Zal looked this up. Zal Batmanglish, thank you. I, I, I looked it up. It's, it's Batman Glitch. It sounds like glitch at the end. Botman glitch and i wanted yeah. to make sure i said that in the beginning because if you're here odds are you probably are aware of the oa and its existence but before we get the conversation going about these episodes a little bit of housekeeping items for Town tv uh we have a couple up other shows ongoing at the moment i mean we just finished house of usher ongoing at the moment or invincible survivor the new show over on mgm plus beacon 23 we have some anime shows jujutsu kaisen and attack on titan which finally finished and we just wrapped on our Gen V coverage. All of that can be found on BingetownTV.com. It's the best place to search our catalog. And also, if you want to go back and listen to our coverage of the OA, if you are a fan of our girl, Britt Marling, you can find that there as well, BingetownTV.com. And my final item is that we have a growing discord community over at Pinchtown TV. So go check that out. If you want to join the discussion, we are probably going to start one for this show, a murder at the end of the world. And oh, hey, by the way, we're going to be talking about the first two episodes, Hanfatal <laughs> and the Silver Doe. That's all I have to say. One of you to talk, please. If you are familiar with us at all, and if you're not, this is some Town lore for you right off the bat. The OA, that is a show, Netflix original, one of the OGs that made me and Kathleen just like fall in love with like creative uh, directing and creative writing. And these two writers, this is the first show that they're coming out with since the cancellation of the OA. And my God, the end of the second season of the OA is so freaking good that I will watch anything these two write. This has been pretty much on our radar since it got announced that this was going to be their next project. And I'm happy that it switched to Hulu because they'll give them a little bit more freedom probably. But I think we decided that this is going to be an isolated, limited series of seven episodes. And one of the things that I love that really works for a whodunit type of show like this is that they're going to be doing it weekly after this initial first two episode drop. So every week after this, you'll be seeing our coverage on just a one-off on the one episodes until we hit the finale of episode seven. As of right now, the show's sitting at 85% critics, 94% audience. So it's a pretty solid showing for Rotten Tomatoes. I'm not sure how much content they get to watch. Maybe it is the whole thing. But either way, this is just a stereotypical classic setup of a whodunit. 
written by some of my favorite writers of all time. So I will tune in for whatever they got cooking. But I do want to say that this isn't my ideal genre unless we do take a turn for Supernatural, which is still a possibility. But with that being said, it was like a really good groundwork first two introductory episodes. But I will also say that a lot of my excitement is stemming from the fact that it's from Britain's Al. So I don't know. You guys tell me, like, like is this is this a show that if it wasn't attached to them off of these first two episodes, are we like full steam ahead? Are we just like really excited because we know the reveals are going to be outstanding and out of this world? How are we feeling so far? So I can jump in and and I will say this is my genre. We do a lot of sci-fi on here. The OA is very sci-fi. Growing up, one of my favorite books was And Then There Were None by Agatha Christie. So this is like so up that alley. You throw a bunch of strangers in like a remote place and then people just get picked off. I don't know if more than Bill, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen one and two, he dies at the end of one. But <laughs> ah! uh, but yeah, so I don't know if more than Bill are going to die. But to Luke, to answer your question, like Brit and Zell do a great job of putting like a bunch of misfits together and really, really fleshing them out and making mm-hmm. you fall in love with them. Um, so I'm excited to see that. I, I agree that I think we're, we're, we're biased. We're biased. We're biased a yeah. bit, but I also think that it will translate to this. I mean, we know that they execute and especially mm-hmm. with seven episodes, if it really is only supposed to be seven episodes, you know, they're going to execute. But in general, I was hooked. I really like these two episodes. I will say, cause we just got off of doing the fall of the house of usher and we are gigantic mike flanagan fans we're obsessed i was more tense watching this show especially in episode one than i was in any of the last three flanagan shows like i drew (laughs) which were quote unquote supposed to be like horror and the first episode when they're like in the house and doing certain things i was like really tense it was really good television in in a thriller sense but in general emma corin who plays darby is incredible uh, anyone who did listen to that Emmy episode that we had done earlier in the year knows that I'm I am the crown watcher of the group. And Emma played Princess Di on the crown in season four and won the Emmy for it. And um, she's excellent. And Darby as a main character, although I'm sad it isn't Brit, Brit Marling. I, I need more Brit Marling, but Lee is going to be such a big part of the show that it's OK. Emma's incredible. Darby's an author, a hacker. Pretty decent knowledge of CSI, like a justice warrior, hyper curious, insanely smart. I think mm-hmm. she's an excellent protagonist in in the show, and I'm really excited. But Brian, what did you think um, of the first two episodes? I totally agree. She's a very interesting character so far, Darby Hart. But uh, kind of going back to Luke's original question, I agree. My excitement for this show stems from Brit and Zal and Mm -hmm. my expectations for those two as storytellers. And what I think we have in these first two episodes is them establishing what the floor of this show is. If we don't get any crazy curveballs for the next five episodes and it's just a similar murder mystery, it would be like a, I don't know, seven out of ten, like a textbook murder mystery. I'm expecting... I. And I think they kind of gave us the first two episodes in a single week drop because they wanted viewers to get through all that exposition and the setup so that Mm -hmm. the next five episodes can blow our minds on a week to week basis. And again, Mm -hmm. that's coming from my expectation of these two as storytellers. So 
I'm kind of like, okay, I'm satisfied with the setup. I'm satisfied with the amount of mystery. I like how, I guess, Luke, you kind of touched on it. It doesn't seem like we're going to go into the supernatural like the OA did, but I think the substitute is kind of the uh, science fiction-y tech advancements, the AI. Black Mirror-esque. Yeah, Yeah, it's really cool. So it's different. Um, I think the setup has been good for the first two episodes, and I think so far it's been like a... You know, good, not great show, and I'm expecting it to get great. That's where I'm at. Yeah. My final two comments, and I'm, I'll be ready to go, is that if it wasn't obvious, like this is going to be a whodunit, I said it already, my whole lens I'll be view- viewing this type of show in is it's all going to come down to the final episode, no matter how we spin it. Like how everything connects and comes together is going to make or break this show. But the good thing is that Britain's out are incredible at finales. So my expectations are through the roof. I'm going to be just anticipating everything we get because I know there's going to be a click moment, especially if it's a limited series where we're not going to have a second season. So my whole opinion is probably going to either shoot up or shoot down once we hit that finale. So that's going to be what we're going to be doing here when we're covering this. We're going to be theorizing, predicting, reacting a little bit more than breaking down because it's a little bit of a straightforward murder story. And then, yeah, so that's all I wanted to put out there. And then the last thing I'll say, and B times, I need you to hear this from me is that I have officially fully stepped onto the board of no more trailers for anything. And this is a question I want to pose to you guys is, have you even seen the trailer for this? Because I purposely avoided it. And this is the exact type of show where avoiding a, a trailer actually benefits the podcast so if you guys do have some like, like have you seen it basically is what is what i'm getting at no i nope. i purposely didn't watch as well and brian famously does not watch trailers <laughs> it, they give away too much and this is the type yeah. of show where you don't want any of that future information biasing you this early so it was like a good move to stay away from it i knew it was going to be a murder mystery but that's all i really knew um so yeah i'm like ready to talk about this it was it, it's time to get into it yeah i can kick us off so we meet our protagonist, Darby Hart. She's at a book reading for her first novel. She's shy. Now, let me ask you a question. When she first gets into it, starts talking about Jane Doe's and um, missing cases, missing women cases. Did you think that she was talking from experience? Again, I did not see the trailer because I wanted to go in blind. So did you guys think that maybe some of this was fiction or did you guys know from the start like, oh, she lived this? I wasn't sure if they were using a technique of like putting her as the protagonist of the book as like a way of like through her her POV type deal. What did you guys think? Now I feel like I know that it is real, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm at. I just want to validate that it was a little 50-50. They left it ambiguous. I'm not sure if that was intentional, but I kind of felt that same way. Okay. Yeah, the unreliable narrator trope could come into play here but i i was scared for a second that this was all going to be an in hindsight story which i would have really hated like the whole silver doe i thought was going to be the story and we were going to get pieces of it building up to the finale and we're already in the post arc of it which i'm happy we didn't do that That that's kind of what the with that fall of the house of usher did right like you started on the other side of all the fun stuff happy we yeah. didn't do that i'll put this out there now i just feel like bill's connection is going to be like the key to everything, Bill and Lee's connection. So it's very important that we do flesh out all of Darby and Bill's backstory. And that's pretty much what we're starting in this story. Because she's from, I wrote down Iowa, but she's from Illinois, right? Iowa. Oh, it is Iowa. Her dad, I thought she said that. 
It's, the only reason I'm questioning is because in the second episode, she splits. She she it's talking to Bill like you take care of Ohio. I'll take Illinois. So maybe it is Iowa. Either way, it's like the Middle Eastern area, or Middle Eastern, Middle Western United States. And it was just like a, you know, pretty good opening to this character. I really like her being a hacker. I like that angle. And we actually get to see some of the more intricate pieces of hacking. And it's just cool to see it through her eyes because I'm always a sucker for a genius character. It's Lost Nation, Iowa. You're right. Okay. So she is from Iowa. Okay. And I think this way of storytelling where, you know, Bill dies at the end of episode one, but we still get to have his character throughout her telling of her novel when we get the flashbacks, which is nice because I really loved Bill. Mm -hmm. Their chemistry is so good. It's electric. It's palpable. I especially... I don't want to jump, but when they finally talk at the end of episode one, right before he dies, I was like, oh, come on, kiss each other. Like, I really, I really loved it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so the book, Silver Doe, is just the adventures of her and Bill solving crimes of a serial killer in their area. And she starts at the end of the book. So right then we transport to the motel. They're trying to go to the house of the first victim. And I think I was a little confused when watching this because I was like, are they going to the house of the first victim or are they going to that the like last known address of the serial killer? But it ends up being the same because it was his wife. Yeah, I was feeling that same confusion. I almost feel like they referenced it differently before they even got there once as exactly what you're saying. Huh? Mm -hmm. That's a little weird. I watched with my parents and I, my dad was like, no, they're going to the victim's house. I was like, no, they're going to the killer's house. We were both right. It was, it's nice to both be right. It's, it also just kind of showed how resourceful Darby is. I guess Bill is also almost as useful because he gets all the hacking terminology and he still has this, this drive to start finding these cold cases. Um, but it was really cool seeing her like hack into the entire neighborhood. And we find out later it was using it was using Lee's method, right? Which is classic awesome. Lee Anderson. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> How about the uh, Annie Lennox scene? I just have to mention it because in the car when they're singing it, I was so charmed. That was the scene that like got me going, oh, these two are adorable. And then when the song starts playing again at the end of the episode, I was like overjoyed. Great song choice. Just really good. A really great scene. It just kind of sets up a deeper relationship between her and Bill because it's a callback later in in Iceland, which we're going to talk about that. Um, Big time. I was going to ask how Alki liked it, friend of the pot Alki, just for the people. He never watched the OA, so he's going in a little bit less biased. And so far, he kind of was reiterating what I was saying, how, you know, standard story so far, nothing crazy. And it was uh, from a cinematography perspective, it was good. Like it was what you would expect from 2023. He's he's not like clamoring to press play next, but that's inevitable for these types of stories. Okay. A little bit of a slow burn. All right. Let's talk about them getting into the house, closing the garage door behind them. I mean, it was so funny when all the garage doors were open. I thought that was a great scene. I thought the hacking mm-hmm. scene was cool. But let's look at just the absolute chaos they are causing in like a townhome situation. I'm like, <laughs> everyone would be calling the cops. What is happening? <laughs> was the place like not lived in? Like, was the assumption that like it was vacant for a while? So it was extra surprising that someone was able to come inside and 
you know, surprise them a couple scenes later. That's the only way I would explain them just like dressing up and pickaxing some finished basement. Like what's going on? They said it was on sale. The house was like up for sale. So they they assumed no one lived in. That doesn't necessarily mean nobody's living in it. You can like live in your house while it's for sale, I think, and then get out maybe. But um, and then when Darby and Bill walk in, Darby says or one of them says, it doesn't seem like anyone's lived here for years. But even so, there were neighbors right there and they're jackhammering in the middle of the night. But it was under the stairs. And then they find the wife. They find the jewelry, which is, you know, that's the tie. That's the M.O. of the serial Mm -hmm. killer. Then a guy comes with a gun. And that confused me a lot because I'm like, how did they get out of this situation? And how are they getting up out of that basement when they destroyed the stairs? (laughs) So, so like, there's got to be more to the story because the next time we see it is Bill bleeding in the tub. Totally. We're going to see that in between. And then I kind of want to like bring up again, are we to assume that this is kind of a fictionalized version of what actually happened just so she could write a book about it? Like the murderer came and found us as we were digging up the body. Ah, like, or did Bill get injured and they split up a different way? So it has to be at least a mixture of truth there because of the way that Bill left her. And there was clearly like a relationship there. And they haven't seen each other in six years. And he yeah. made it clear to her, again, it could be an unreliable narrator thing pulling from her written book, but he made it clear to her that she was in too deep, essentially, and he couldn't follow. So I think there's definitely going to be an answer. We're going to see another scene that connects them because she's already having PTSD about Bill when she's on the plane, like seeing his anytime she goes into a bathroom, you know, she, like she, she has those, those flashes. So there's going to be an answer there. But as for what, actually happened it was early enough in the episode i thought bill was just gonna die right there and i didn't think there needed to be more but of course that doesn't happen and luckily it doesn't happen i was thrilled to realize he's not dead thrilled that was a great reveal just episode one that he was still alive when he sat down like i could feel like her heart skip a beat when he sat Mm -hmm. but i might be getting ahead of myself no No, so i'll I'll take us through the next piece (laughs) here because that's all we're going to really get in the flash in the form of a flashback besides her PTSD scene. So we're going to step back into the actual Barnes and Noble, or whatever the hell she's in. And while she's there, it's important to know that she's, she started getting, getting confidence, rallying support. But then there is the, we find out the head of security of the head of Ronson security um, is in the audience and kind of like, is just checking, checking out who they're going to be inviting to the retreat. So that's all in this beginning piece. We start learning about, how the book was dedicated to Lee Anderson, who's a, that's what the question that gets brought up is. And she's like notorious for being a hacker. So you can see where she pulls some of her inspiration from. It's a lot of characterization for Darby, which you clearly need in the beginning of these types of shows. And then you guys can throw any comments you want out there, but more importantly, we find out she's essentially like, she's like a, she's almost like, um, uh, yellow jackets, like Frodo and Missy, like, like a, like a consultant. She's an amateur sleuth. She yes, said she's yes, like yes. deep in the sleuthing forums and she utilizes like yes. a sleuthing subreddit. So she's just like very savvy and into that stuff. Uh, I'm not sure if we've talked about her like coroner dad background. So she's constantly been around dead bodies the entire time I was watching this episode. I'm thinking this chick is misty from yellow jackets. If she was like <laughs> cool and had her shit together. Exactly. Forensic she's expert. Gen- she's just yeah. out there for yeah. She's Gen Z Sherlock Holmes. 
Perfect exactly. explanation. I love that. Yeah. After all these initial invites, eventually she, I don't know, she would know better than me, but I would never open a random link to oh anything that somebody sends me. But she does open up the AI link, which leads us to the introduction to Ray, who I think is going to be such an important pivotal piece to whatever the twist that's coming in the in the future is but he does from a surface seem like helpful great i like the technology he's just an advanced alexa tinfoil hat ray has gained sentience in a body puts that mask on from episode two and killed bill that's, oh, that's my- obvious <laughs> um <laughs> That part was so weird with the like Ray outside and then Ray in the hallway and asking him. And I'm like, no, why please. did they have to make that a scary scene? I thought it was Slender Man outside. That was wild. But Kathleen, yeah. that's one of those moments that you mentioned in the beginning. I was like tense. And then it turned mm-hmm. out being Ray, who was like the most charming thing in the entire world. I, I would love to have a Ray in my life. Dude, those knocks were creeping me the hell out. And they're like coming mm-hmm. out of every Bluetooth speaker she has. I'm like, holy shit. I would just pass away couldn't do it so pass away this is very glass onion knives out ish yeah. like getting invited uh, high powered people getting invited to this type of retreat all expenses paid etc it's so sick and we gotta just shout out iceland because you know the binge town boys and girl adore iceland we all went together and that was the the really the start of the best best friendship and the pot so we gotta shout that out they mentioned um they mentioned where we were too in the second episode right right Reykjavik. Reykjavik. Yeah, yeah yeah I yeah. can't pronounce it mm-hmm. but it, I was just like oh it's so cool I was making fun of Alkyl or not making fun I was making a joke to Alkyl I was like hey we probably have been there and there like you know <laughs> we were like in that area <laughs> Yeah too much snow for us to te- for me to tell I was like yeah, yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes for some beautiful landscapes just from a cinematography standpoint, but also mm-hmm. objectively, I think it's a great setting for a murder mystery. You're secluded, and this hotel is like the coolest thing ever. What you're what you're <laughs> hinting at is just that the billionaire that is putting this all in motion, we find out from Ray, is trying to gather some of the smartest people in technology and just free thinkers to discuss the future of technology and how it's going to impact the world so that's the whole pool of the glass onion of why we're coming together here and one other thing i'm just wanted to throw out there too is that you, we get confirmation her father's still alive which i thought was going to be something more like deeper but i guess not and um because she calls him and says like, I'm, on, I'm on the way to the airport but this is the part where we meet all of our potential suspects um kathleen i'll pass it back to you because i think you probably have better notes than i do for this piece i do and i do have better notes than you <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> Let me just pose a question first. People on the on the plane, as well as Andy himself, later say that there's nine guests, five invited by Andy, four invited by Lee. Do you think that's actually going to like matter at the end? Like Lee invited, you know, Abs- Bill, uh, Lee, it has Bill, to matter. Darby. Yeah, it's it's going to matter. And I'm, I'm and- maybe we should put it on the board. Well, they I don't also know, if we know enough. They also kind of established there's like a power dynamic between those invited by Lee and Andy. And the one dude even says back in the day that used to matter and they would be all upfront about it. And he's kind of, you know, belittling the people that were invited by Lee. Obviously we're meant to assume that our main character was invited by Lee and probably bill as well. So there's two right there. They described it as builders versus non-builders is how at least grumpy old David describes it. That's how I have my notes, Kathleen. (laughs) Grumpy old David. He is grumpy old David. (laughs) He is. 
Yeah. I, I kept meaning to Google what I know him from. I think it's like a Shondaland show, but I can't put my finger on it at the moment. But um, yeah, so Darby and Bill, I both we have to assume they're from Lee, you know, especially with all the like paparazzi footage of Lee and Bill. I think that's really, really intriguing. But next we have Martin Mitchell, who is the filmmaker who we get um, more of in episode two. He was reading Darby's book in episode one, as well as like showing his movie in episode two. He's so, like an AI guy. Wouldn't you assume he's a non-builder? Like he's an artist that would maybe have also been pulled in by Lee? I, I would say yes. I would. So then that would put assumption, us three. But, but mm-hmm. he utilized Ray to make his presentation, right. which means he might be in with Andy. Not that Lee wouldn't have access to that. I, I'm still on the fence. I think we're supposed to think he's a Lee, but he he could still be. He's yep. a Lee. <laughs> he's a Lee. Then, nah, no, no, no. He's not a Lee. He's an Andy, I'm, dude. That's an I'm Andy. A Lee. I'll tell you, I'm a Lee, hundred percent every day. Lee is Britt day. Marling. We're all Lees. Three yeah, invites right here. We are definitely <laughs> Team Lee over here. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Andy is so sketchy. Yeah, the whole time I'm like, this is Elon Musk. <laughs> like this man is. Kathleen, cool. what do you think is Sean? Sean. Okay. Yeah. Um. <laughs> for Sean, I'm gonna call her Sean. Is it Sean? It sounded like Sean. It's, it's spelled S I A N. Yeah. I don't. Know yeah. It's cool way to spell Sean. It, it is, but we'll call her Sean. I love that. I thought it was Sean who was at the camera in episode two when Darby was hacking the camera footage, but it was actually Zeba. So for now, I'm okay with Sean. She's an astronaut who wants to colonize the moon. Sounds okay to me. She's obviously been in with Andy. So anyone who's like in with Andy, I don't love just in Mm -hmm. general. No one's really being warm to our girl Darby. But Sean was one of the few that was being, you know, welcoming, I would say a little bit. Do you recognize her? No. What's she from? I don't know, Kathleen, but if you've seen the movie, but B-Toms, you've definitely seen uh, I Am Legend with Will Smith, right? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Is she the girl at the end? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, makes sense. I didn't She's like that the first line she says is "Darby Hart." Sounds like a porn star name. <laughs> I was like, "You're a doctor astronaut. Like, act like you've walked on the moon." Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's that I hold against her, and the fact that she definitely seemed to go along with andy's he od'd story and if she was like a legit doctor and doing her due diligence she would probably be able to see through that or at least want to halt up the process what i'm trying to say she's an andy and i agree we are have an inherent bias against andy's yep totally and that brings us to our next andy david the venture capitalist grumpy david has to be an andy right Mm -hmm. gotta be gotta be okay Okay, the one I barely know a single thing about is Oliver, the roboticist. Any thoughts on him? Not yet, to be honest. And he seems to be most likely to be an Andy as well. Yes. Which would put us at four. Well, I'll tell the you, I robot. think I have our last lead. Is he, so. is he the one that got his phone past security? Yes. He could be a Lee. Lee's a coder by nature he, and likes those kind of. Yeah. But I will say my Lee pick is Zeba, who's the activist and really loves Bill. I would just think she's a Lee because wasn't she the one who was kind of challenging some of Andy's thoughts and principles? Wasn't Zeba the one who was kind of like, 
not fully AI. Because Ziba was the one who was like, yeah, they can make art, but not good art. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. that's anti antithesis of Andy. She so she's the one that works in encryption and she's like famous in the Middle East or something like that. She that is what I took from the pool scene later. And she's also the one that doesn't like the whole idea of this retreat between like billion millionaires, right? Like, isn't she the yes. one that pushes back on all this? So God, I feel like we're gonna say the word red herring all over the place for this show because that is what this is gonna be like. But it just feels like they're trying to make Zeba seem like, especially with episode two like a prime suspect yeah. is that what you guys yeah. are feeling as well like andy and zeba feel like the two right now at the top of the list of who they're trying to make us think are involved with the murder but that's that's all i have on her i, I have nothing else to guess or theorize yet about zeba i would agree i don't have much to offer about zeba definitely a red herring she's the one who was like obsessed with fangs fangs mm-hmm. is his name right yeah, <laughs> Did just make that up okay great. Like, yeah. yeah artist name yeah so I think they're completely trying to make her the red herring because obviously the person who's obsessed with Thais might be the one to kill him. So yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with you, Luke. And then the last one is Rohan and he's a climatologist. He's the one who like showed up in the truck, which was interesting because it's almost like everyone else showed up in this like sleek car that like, you know, was hired by Andy, like a rich person's car. And he showed up in like a blue pickup truck ish. I think mm. I've been watching Wine on Herb, so maybe I morphed the blue truck uh, <laughs> because of that. But he definitely showed up in a truck with like a bunch of stuff in the back. So any thoughts on Rohan? We didn't really get much from him at all. Nah, not really. I'm I'm okay. so far off these characters that we've talked about. The one that interests me the most, and maybe it is solely based on performance and delivery of like lines, but Lume is has my attention so far. And she also seems to have the most history with Andy or one of the people with the most history from Andy. And she builds smart cities in China. Cool job. Uh, and she seems very tech oriented. So I would assume that she's an Andy side, but she is also the one that I'm bringing this up now. So I can say it later is who gives Darby pills and always be conscious in these types of shows of whenever people are eating or drinking or taking anything. Cause pills come up again from the, the, the female head of security that we see in episode two, she kind of gives them to Darby again before she passes out. So Lou may, if there is some sort of inside conspiracy where Andy's working with one of these people, my initial thought is Lou may is the one that has my attention. Totally. I want to like Lou may. I think she's an Andy, but I, I like her. <laughs> she yeah. was being nice to Darby. I don't know. That's all I have. I don't think much of any of the suspects yet. If I'm being honest, we are going to predict at the end of each of these podcasts who we think it is we're going to put a single name on the board and we're going to roll with it at the end of all these podcasts so just be thinking of that in the back of your mind as we're talking this through i was just gonna say you're like the sheriff in the flashback that didn't want to follow the lead of the silver doe she has two earrings on don't you think that's important oh no it's a case closed Okay. Um, Whatever. All right. So we're almost finishing this episode. As Brian mentioned before, Bill sits down at the table. The tension is palpable. Darby, as we see as a as a teenager, like at school, she feels like the odd man out. She's kind of an outcast. Even at this table, she's an outcast. And I think even though when Bill sits down, she's like feeling all these emotions, crazy emotions. I think she's also maybe a little relieved that she knows somebody there. Um, in her head, I would be because at this mm-hmm. situation, like if I'm Darby, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I have nothing in common with these people. But he came for Lee and the the bomb drop that they knew each other was fucking awesome. And I can't wait to 
keep moving on that. And then the Brit Marling sighting at at last, at long last in this episode, when something was broken, she was cleaning it up. Um, let's talk about the kind of like brainwashism of Andy and Lee and then even Zoomer. Like Zoomer wasn't allowed to eat something and uh, different things of like, wow, Andy is an overlord and I hate him. What did you guys think of the family dynamics? It seems like Andy's a little controlling and Lee is certainly open to undermining him. I'm not sure what Lee's end is, but that's really all I can gather right now. But but let's talk about Lee in general, because we haven't talked about how, you know, she was the top female hacker. She got doxxed and stalked and then kind of went under the radar, went disappeared, quote unquote, which is a classic Brit Marling, if, I, if you know what I'm saying from the OA. And then she kind of reemerges as this like tech tycoon's wife, which I despise. <laughs> I mean, so like what happened? When she disappeared, like how'd she end up with this guy? I think there's like so much good content there that is going to, again, like Luke said, Bill is one of the keys. I think the, uh, the missing time from Lee and the background on Lee is going to be fucking huge. So the kid complicates things for me because I could have spun this in my head in some way where Lee is using Andy to get something done and there was going to be a final goal of this retreat that's over Andy's head. But if she actually has a family with this guy, I don't think it's going to be that. And there's one thing I'll stake on this entire show is that there's no way that Lee is going to be bad. They might try and purposely make her red herring bad, but... Brit is not going to be the main bad guy of whatever this story is. So she is the only one besides Darby that I'm going to fully trust with a little bit of a caveat later in, in episode two that I'll that I'll bring up. But overall, like I, she seems good hearted. And I think that there is something that like she clearly had something going on with Bill behind the scenes that's going to be a connective tissue to all of this. And whatever she was looking for in his room, like this could all be like a ploy. It could still be a plan coming from her. I just can't seem to reconcile it with the fact that she has a kid with Andy. That really complicates things because she can't just like blindly fuck this guy over if she has a family. Well, that could be the thing keeping her with Andy. That could be the blackmail, the, cust the custody of when you're dating a man or married to a man as strong and as like uh, powerful as someone like this it's like you are a lot of time women or men depending on the power struggle but mostly women are stuck in situations where you know as they have so much money they'll take custody etc um so we'll see it could be something like that who's to say the kid i would say zoomer definitely does complicate things for sure mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. red herring could be that andy isn't evil in his intentions and that it was just one of his guests who operated independently of Andy and Andy was just an eclectic kind of distant and albeit a little controlling uh tech billionaire. Sure. And I'll be honest, if it turns out that Andy is the sole mastermind behind any of this, I feel like that's going to be hard to sell me on. Yeah. It doesn't seem like a satisfying way we can do this. And Kathleen, you're right. Like I can't watch this show without thinking about the glass onion constantly, especially because I watched it relatively recently but that's the only thing I'm thinking about, like when I'm seeing this and in, I guess I won't spoil anything with that. So I'll, I'll, I'll stay away from spoilers, but yeah, it doesn't feel right to make Andy the guy. Cause it's just like too boring for our writers, right? Like the OA is like one of the most creative written things I've ever seen. Like there's no way yeah. we're taking that route. Yeah. But we'll see in Britain's out. We trust let's, yeah. let's, you know, okay. So we get a walk from Darby and Bill chemistry. 
fucking on fire. Like, come get warm with me. I need to tell you something. And she denies it. And now she'll never know that something. You're kidding me. Come on. Like, what the mm-hmm. fuck? But I will say Darby's comment of all women only like women made me laugh. I was like, classic as the token queer girly here. I, I love that. But it was interesting that he was like, I thought you only liked girls. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I didn't get that. But hopefully we get a little <laughs> some of that. For me, a little treat for Kathleen. <laughs> so this is their their cold walk after the pool scene, right? Yeah. Like when they they mm-hmm. walk out. First of all, they mentioned earlier in this episode. It's like I don't I don't know what the calculation is off the top of my head, but negative seven degrees Celsius is fucking cold. These guys are crazy. This confrontation directly leads to her investigating him, Fangs, I should say, and then seeing the Fangs and Lee picture, the Bill and Lee pictures, and that caused them to go there and see the whole death scene. So this was like a zero to a hundred ending i was expecting this like it had to end with the murder of course i just was really hoping it wasn't going to be bill but all signs pointed it to the timing of like how things were happening um but it was still dramatic like he sits there he's dying looking her in the eyes as he's quote unquote on morphine or whatever he apparently overdosed on i guess the question goes back to is the thing that he was going to tell her maybe he is in on it and this was part of whatever he signed up for but that doesn't really relate to how lee was Mm. looking through his stuff so I don't know how that could connect, but God, there's just so many questions. It's just hard to put what? us on the spot with only the first two episodes of content. The complication that I'm interested in is the paparazzi pictures of uh, yeah. Lee, not Britt, Lee meeting mm-hmm. up with him. And was that like a warning? If you come on this, you're not going to leave alive or uh, like what? Wow. Yeah. All I got is questions, man. Yeah. It's and fun. Went, They're good like, questions, though. Yeah. I just don't so, know what Lee and Bill's dynamic was before the weekend, I guess, or the week, the retreat. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, he's dying. Darby's been talking to Ray this whole time, which I will say I adore it. I kind of adore her just being talking to Ray. It's like her only confidant. And this whole thing is just this like AI thing that can easily be tracked by Andy, which just cracks me up. But it was like, Bill, why are you like calling for Ray? Call for help. What is going on? Like, it sounded like he was moaning sexually. Yeah. Yeah. She thought for sure he was getting that DS'd. And I was like, I thought so as well. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden it's it's bloody and death. So I don't know. It, it was it's all very interesting. But can you just like imagine like losing this love? And they, they talk about, I think. Darby's character says something like it's hard to fall in love in these types of situations. Like I was actively falling in love with him, but it's like they're doing this like fucked up thing. It's like you lose someone you love, someone who sticks to you and with you enough that you write an entire book about it comes mm-hmm. back into your life and dies seconds later, like years later, and they're, they're finally back and you can like maybe get some closure and then they're dead. And he had something to tell you. I'm like, this is devastating. It devastated me. And I was just happy enough that episode one made me love them enough that that hurt me. And I'm like, that's good. That's great writing that they made me care. I love that. Good job, everybody. But yeah, I jumped I mean, on Love and Bill after some of the flashbacks we got in episode two. So I think I needed them a little bit more than what we mm-hmm. got for me to say that I was really into this character. But I'm happy that you got that initial take of good vibes from this dude. Hopefully for now, good vibes. Because uh, totally. Fangs does seem like he seemed like the man. Reasonable guy. I agree. It took till episode two. I didn't like how he left her in the lurch at the hotel room. It took yeah. me some time to get over how he broke it off with her. But 
you can tell like even from the first flashback when he sings the song like when they're having a little fight and then he starts like singing the song he's a good guy yeah i ship them they're good for each other they both unwaveringly commit to the bangs they're in <laughs> love that True. i got shelby flannery vibes from both of them <laughs> which is so funny <laughs> i can like, see both that both of them could <laughs> easily have either haircut at any time yeah. well her haircut was crazy when she did the she dressed it up as, dying like, in pink it, is such a flex in this scenario I, like when she's it's hot. all down it's fine but when she like does it like that you can see the black roots it looks sick it looks fucking she's she looks like an anime character badass, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah she's um, i really like her i'm a big fan so I'll transition us into the second episode because that's all we got for episode one. So before we get to the silver dough, the only other thing I wanted to bring up that we haven't said, because I think it's going to be important is the name of the doorman, uh, Marius Marsh. Mar- Did we write his name down? M a U R I U S Marius Norman Norman, <laughs> the doorman. <laughs> Come on. So yes, he is giving me a little bit sketchy vibes though, but he's probably just an underling of whoever Andy or Lee, whoever's, the head Mm -hmm. of this situation but anyway he's going to be a bigger part in episode two so how we'll do episode two i think it's just easy to get it out of the way the three separate flashbacks we get of darby's childhood and then teenage years and then meeting bill so like the first one i'll just run through real quick darby's a little kid she's getting dragged to the crime scenes with her father who's like a forensics morgue analyst and she's getting you're seeing her gain these skills and the comfort comfortability of with death very important for her in the long term because it really builds her as a person that has the whole Jane Doe initial experience of finding the earrings on the dead body. That's something that comes into play years in the future. That's the first flashback. It's just the introduction. The second flashback is a little bit more interesting. This is when she's already in high school and she initially meets Bill through one of those. What are, what are they called? Sleuth? A sleuthing subreddit? I don't know. Yeah. It's just a sleuthing forum, I think, is the term that she drops. She did, okay. yeah, sleuthing forum. Sleuthing. Mm-hmm. So Darby being the trusting person that she still is in the future when she's downloading these random freaking files, she opens <laughs> up this video chat with this random man on the on the internet and ends up meeting Bill because of their similarities in investigating this the death, right? Like she she I think the kicker is her saying, I hear the dead, which is her way of saying like she embodies crime scenes and really gets to the unseen evidence through like these random methods it's just their way of being like meta like she's very smart she's good at this this is her methodology Mm -hmm. that sounds like you absolutely closing the door for anyone who wants to interpret that literally and that she may possibly hear the dead (laughs) you're totally right later she has that line about like they speak through me like a glove like when you put on a glove and you can animate the fingers that's how it affects me and i'm like Okay, that's a little bit of specific imagery for someone who's just doing a bit. So are you on team that it's more? I'm on team. I want it to be more. (laughs) I'm on team if it is made more. I ain't going to cry about it. Yeah, that's the team I'm on. I thought Brian was joking at first, and then he started getting really serious. I was like, oh, shit. He's like, she speaks to ghosts. She sees dead people. I don't think it would be fun twist. Would I be. don't think it would be she's an OP speaks to ghosts sort of thing. But if she I I don't know where they could go with it, but mm-hmm. it's certainly an element. She does have that specific phrasing later on in the episode. So I yeah, I want to believe it's not nothing. And granted, I did write supernatural in parentheses. I just didn't say it because I thought I was going to be the one that sounded like I was reading too into it. But 
she's just so empathetic. And even her dad has that line of being like, you got to be professional. And she just like cares so much. She wants to like give these women closure, of course, and their families, which is really cool of her. And I like her empathy is why I love her so much. And, you know, probably character treats. Yes. Big time. We don't get anything else here in the flashbacks besides the actual meeting of Bill and then that cute little happy birthday in Morse code, which may come back to play Morse code. I don't really know. That's just yes. in there for mystery. Bill's daddy's going to be a ghost and act through her through Morse code. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Supernatural. That baby. happens. You guys are going to. I'm just going to leave the podcast. <laughs> I'm done. I can't cap it. <laughs> yeah, it's cute. One last thing. Any coincidence that the tavern that they go to to meet is Ray's Tavern. Like, yes. why would it? Yeah, it's it called is. Ray's Tavern. I'm like, what goes on in this tavern? Maybe some, maybe murderous mask things. <laughs> Ooh, I didn't catch that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Bill owns the tavern and this was all ploy to, I don't fucking know. Maybe He's he Ray. faked. Yeah, Jesus. I, I can't even begin to guess. That has to be a coincidence. That would be crazy they, if that comes back into play. The only right. thing I can think is that that establishment is in real life called Ray's Tavern and they wanted to give it some free publicity. Otherwise, why would they make it the same name as like a yeah. major player later on? That's crazy. 100%. Okay, I'm chalking it up to coincidence. Let's keep this train rolling. Sure. Yep. Yeah, so that's it for the flashback. So now we're back into the direct aftermath, I guess, of... Bill dying and Darby freaking out and going and getting everybody. She she goes to the front desk and and you know rallies the troops. Nothing in the beginning is too crazy. Like Darby goes into Sherlock mode for a little bit. She's like clocking things as she's looking around the room, but she really just gets shuffled out by the security people. And what I mentioned earlier, which felt too out of place to not be important, is the female head security, like kind of took ownership over uh, over consoling her and giving her those pills and saying yeah. go to sleep. I don't know that I took anything from there besides the fact that it felt weird. And I think that's by design. It's Todd's wife, by the way, too. It's a husband and wife security team, yeah. which is interesting. Yeah. I also clocked that as a little weird, um, but don't know much more. I just have to assume that if Andy is bad, then Todd and his wife are also bad people. You know what I mean? Like, and the and Norman, They're all and Norman, together. the Dorman, hundred yeah. percent. Agreed. The whole scene played out like Andy had his team and all of the players knew what their assignments were and they went in and kind of covered everything up according to plan and it happened very quickly and that's kind of how Darby responds to the situation when she finally gets a chance to catch her breath. She has to like Mm -hmm. deal with all those emotions for the first time because she's just been shuffled out of the scene uh, for the past five minutes. So obviously Darby doesn't believe they OD'd like they mentioned giving him Narcan. I mean, he could have OD'd, but it was a, you know, an OD given to him. He didn't do it himself. Um, Andy's fighting her on it. They kind of have like a little, you know, toe to toe at the table when the squad wants to cancel the trip. And he's like, no, dog, we got to leave it up to Lee. And then he looks at Lee like, don't you fucking dare cancel this trip. (laughs) And she's brainwashed as fuck. So, you know, she says. Let's do it. Let's keep it going. And I'm like, come on, girl. What the that that has so that's leverage. He has leverage on her. Totally, totally, totally. That's the second time you mentioned brainwashing. Can you elaborate? I you know, or is that just a catch-all term for maybe Stockholm syndrome? Some sort of like no. I think she's just being threatened. I think she knows better than to 
go against him in front of people. I think she's playing her cards right and is going to save the day at some point. So she, her, him looking at her, she knows the way he wants her to answer, right? Like, she, there's right. no way if, if Lee was like, yeah, you're right, cancel it. <laughs> like, so, he'd be fucking pissed. He was like, no, when are we ever going to get these people in a room together? You know, I think my my better question would be, you do not think that Lee has any personal motivations for keeping this retreat going? Oh, okay. That's a great question. I don't know. I'm not sure yet. Give me another I, episode. Let's talk. Yeah, I really <laughs> like, I really like the idea of Andy blackmailing or having leverage overly because of the scene that we get when uh, Martin is showing his movie and they're talking to each other. And the two things that have happened, I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit is Andy turns his head and like looks at her with like daggers, like either shut up or like, what are you talking about? Kind of thing. It controlling vibes, right? Like something is there totally. where he doesn't, he doesn't like to not be in the know. And then also at the end of that conversation, Lee essentially tells Darby go hack, just don't get caught. Like she wants her to do it on her behalf. So now I'm starting to talk myself into the idea that Lee wants Darby there to figure this all out. Like that was why Lee is invited into this. She knew something crazy and sketchy was going to happen because she's Andy's she's being blackmailed or something by Andy. And now she uses her invites to kind of put those people together to maybe put him in jail. I don't know. That's that's kind of where I just started going. So that's the second part of why I'm so interested in the the paparazzi pictures of Lee and Bill, like, did she try to say, Bill, do not come because you're going to get killed. And then after Bill said, no, I have to go. Did she then say, okay, well, I got to find someone who can at least prove who the killer was that weekend. And it's going to be Darby, this girl who has a motivation to want to find her previous flames, killer, et cetera, et cetera. I I love love that. That's great. If you know, something sketchy is going to happen. Why not? like invite Gen Z Sherlock Holmes to come figure it out for you so you can just be like I'm not doing anything I'm just a good wife (laughs) but then you have someone working on the side does that mean that when we find out like in this train of thought when we find out who Lee invited are they our allies then in this whole conspiracy anytime we get a confirmation which they're probably going to be purposefully vague about when we do get a confirmation I think we're that's just an automatic ally agreed they're they're people who Lee expects to take her side or the side yeah. of solving the mystery for sure. Oh, I hope it takes I that route. That. that got that's so fun. Yeah, that's <laughs> <Ooh>. really fun. <laughs> Let's write this show. If it doesn't go that way, we make this show. We'll fucking I kill love it. that. That's good. <laughs> okay, but moving forward, she clogs the toilet, which is great. Like just mm-hmm. to get Norman off the front desk. She can. I love the idea that Darby can take any sort of computer interface and just be like beep bop beep bop and get what she needs. It's so funny because you, uh, no way in hell I would ever be able to do that. I'd be like, what is the system? I don't even know what this is. <laughs> we haven't even the mentioned the ring system at this hotel. I think that oh, is yeah. the coolest thing ever. Yeah. That you just have a ring that unlocks everything that you are allowed to unlock. Immediately what I thought and we did get confirmation is that, you know, it's taking your heart rate and this and that it's it's temperature things like that. And I'm like, this is just feeding people information. It could be a tracker. They know exactly where you are at all times. Everything in this show I've been so insanely skeptical about in that sense. I'm like, they're tracking you. There's cameras everywhere. Don't say anything. The audio's going like, come on, especially in this hotel. Mm -hmm. Seriously. Darby has already 
taken note of that as well because she has the interaction with Ray where she says, what security features are included with you? And she says, turn off like auditory recording or whatever. Totally. It's not That's off. what I thought she was going to get from when eventually she takes apart the smart bulb, starts rewiring shit to access files. You know, she goes into the camera. I'm like, go to the audio, too. Let's hear mm-hmm. what happened in the room. Although she was at the door. But at some point, like you're at the door and now you're running all the way around the building to try and get outside and you miss, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds of like what's going on in the room. So I don't know. Either way, very cool stuff. Her plugging and unplugging and stuff. It's like stuff I wish I, I would do. I was going to say, like, you talk about people talk about hacking all the time. Like, it's fucking amazing to actually see. I'm sure it's probably not realistic at all, but it's still cool to see what that actually means, because that means nothing to me besides just a term. Because like Mr. <laughs> Robot's all about that. And people apparently say it's just like not like that as, as it is in that show at all. As, as yeah. dramatized and cool as it looks, it's not like that at all. But Either way. Yeah. So there's two things. One, let's just get, since we're already there, the fucking mask. It made me, it, I texted you guys, it made my heart skip a beat the way I was not expecting a masked person to be right. in that hallway. That was fucking insane. And so I know I've been joking about Ray becoming sentient somehow and killing him, but like I somehow was like, maybe no one else was in the room with them. Maybe Ray got into his head and made him jab it into himself like against his will. I would start thinking crazy things. But the fact that there was like an actual body there, I'm like, how did they get out of the room? Where did they come from? Where You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, as soon as Darby ran around to try and get, they like snuck out of the room or something. I was, what do you guys think about this masked figure? I got nothing, man. I mean, I wasn't <laughs> expecting a masked man. That's just a curveball that's that's got to play out in the next five episodes. Totally. As dumb as it is to say, like, I, I feel like we're just supposed to connect the dots. The masked person is who assisted in the overdose, like the killing. So mm-hmm. it would feel weird to have it be David or Zeba because they just get shown right before he pops up, before the masked person pops up. So I almost want to, like, write them off. But again, like, are they double reverse psychologying us? Like, is this a red herring? It's so obvious that it's a red herring that it's not, but it is. Like, I don't know how how they're really thinking, but it seems to be whoever's in control of like all the tech in the in the hotel is gonna be the face of that person that like V for Vendetta kind of like persona who's just yeah. gonna embody that. It makes it fun because they just gave us a target as an audience right off the bat. Like we didn't have to wait till episode five for for like a big reveal of a of an enemy because we get it right there. But is that moment like the hacker or I mean the the mass person like being aware that there's a chance that people are going to be looking into this. Like, was that what that was? Like the acknowledgement of the of the mass person be like, I know you're fucking trying to find this, find me out. I I would think so. Yes. Which is I cool. got that feeling. Yeah. And yeah. I also want to say that reveal played out like a jump scare for me as well. Yeah, I like did. was like, damn. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things I noticed too. And I think it was right before the mass person shows up is the door opens and then closes and you don't see anybody. You see three clips, maybe four. You see David in the beginning. Then you see Zeba coming up to the door for a second. Then it's just like you see the light changing, like the door opens, then closes. Then it flashes right to the the mass guy. I'm wondering if that open and closing of the door is anything. Did you either of you guys pick that up? I got it. It's 
Bill on his hands and knees, crawling on the <laughs> floor in a out. mask, popping up in the mask. <laughs> He's he he has the mask on. It's Bill. It's Zoomer actually. Zoomer has the mask on. <laughs> <laughs> Zoomer could fit onto the camera, probably. Yeah. Pretty much no. I I don't I I don't know, but I did clock that it was just like an open closed door. Yeah, it opened and closed. Okay, I didn't mm-hmm. know. If, yeah. Anything else, B Tom's? Because I was there's something we kind of passed that I want to bring up real quick. Because we did just jump to like her yeah. actually getting into the hacking, which is what Lee said. Go make sure you do that. The whole uh, situation of her actually going into the room and getting the and seeing Lee sneak in and her hiding there. Kind of, we already talked about her. Lee is in there, like trying to grab something from his bag. Is is there anything really there that you guys saw that we didn't already mention, or any guesses? He seemed pretty manic about it, and. If I recall, Lee's excuse was kind of like, I guess I needed to see it for myself. But she was rooting around. She was looking for something specific. Was she not giving something to Bill in that paparazzi picture? And is that maybe what she was looking for? Like, was yeah. she handing him something? Maybe. That's how I took it as like the pictures. I thought they were like exchanging something and maybe she was trying to get whatever that was back. Mm. Could be. Could be that. I mean, beforehand, we get Emma. Emma. Wow. That's her actress's name. We get Darby, you know, checking the arms, asking Ray questions about the percentage of people who shoot up, where they shoot up. And then we see her doing the baby powder trick on what I assume. What is that thing? What is that thing? Like, it looked, it looked like, like an a EpiPen <laughs> or okay. a vape. Yeah, either yeah. one. Yeah. But it was probably just their way of just saying, like, this is how we got the morphine. Okay. Yeah. So she was trying to do it. There was no fingerprints on it. And then that's when she goes into the bathroom. But do you think Lee saw Darby at the last second? Because her eyes kind of like shoot up and then she has to go because she hears Andy start talking. I think that was just like a classic save by the bell kind of moment just to mm, okay protect because she goes right into the into the movie presentation and he tells her right away, which this is what I wanted to bring up as much as I just said that I blindly trust Lee from an audience member perspective, I would never have divulged all of my cards right there in that room to Lee without any, like any more reasoning. Cause she says right away, like she was in the room while she was, she was watching her rummage through Bill's stuff. And then she also gives away all the cards about how it definitely wasn't an overdose and there was foul play involved. So I don't know if I would have done what she did in that room, but I mean, Lee did give her go ahead right after. I mean, I guess the fact that she plays all those cards immediately goes along with my theory that that is why Darby is here to help investigate this. Yeah. Yeah. But I agree. It did. She was approaching it as though she was looking for a specific item and that she came up empty. But if she gave away all that other information, I'm not sure why she wouldn't be like, you should also look for this. It could be a pivotal clue, et cetera, et cetera. So that could go back to the blackmailing, but who knows? Yeah. Yeah, Um, I agree with you, Luke, that it's that it is a little sketchy to play to just show all your cards in that situation. I'm with you. One thing I want to bring up. When she originally went to the crime scene, there was a copy of her book, The Silver Doe, open to a specific page wedged under the rocking chair. When she returned, when the dead body was under a tarp, that book was no longer there. I think covered in blood, covered the fucking blood. Yeah. I think it was open to a passage as Bill was dying to give Darby a clue. I do think it's possible. 
Yeah, me too. Cool. And then maybe Lee either saw it and took it away or it just got lost in the whole shuffle of the investigation. She missed. I don't know, but that could be something. Or they purposely took him was like, yeah, way. yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah but mm-hmm. they made a point to show it in the original mm-hmm. scene. So just wanted to bring it up. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, That is all I have written down. The only other thing we see Bill's body get taken away. The only thing I'm uh, the only reason I'm bringing that up is because it does open the door for Bill to still kind of. He's dead, but what if the drug was like something that slows your heartbeat? You know, it's like all like a showing and they take his body out. Now he's gone. He could still be behind the scenes. I don't know. That's just super tinfoily, but his body is gone and she no longer has access to like do any forensics inspects, inspection on it. So you think it's Nightshade from Usher? Literally. That's what I'm thinking, <laughs> right? That could be really cool, honestly. I mean, it was just like a draped plastic over him it's not like they put him in a body bag and he couldn't breathe like it is very possible that like he was alive and just kind of like the slowed breathing and like and but emma was like on the body and she is a coroner's daughter yeah sean would have had to be in on it yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. possible Mm -hmm. interesting i think if that was the case they should have gotten his body out of there by then but again the whole thing is they're in such a secluded area Andy seems to be playing by the books calling the authorities but they're all the way in Reykjavik so you know they have to come all the way out which could be our drive who's to say I'm very excited for episode three though like this is so fun to talk about not to like wrap mm-hmm. sound like I'm wrapping it up but this was like a blast I love a whodunit because you just gotta know you gots to know who done it and we're just gonna fucking theorize and that's my favorite thing to do <laughs> Um, and I I said this earlier at, in this podcast that we're definitely not leaving this or any of these future podcasts without all of us putting a board guess on who we think the killer is. And um, it's going to be really fun in the finale to go back and look at how we're changing and updating. So if anybody has a guess and wants to go first, go ahead. If not, I can take it. It's up to you guys. I'm going to say Ray. And and I'm I know I've been jokey about that, but I'm gonna say Ray is in on it somehow. Ray is involved. This AI, this what do they say? It's not artificial intelligence. It's what intelligence? Alternative uh, intelligence. Alternative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna put Ray on the board just to say I did at one point. Okay. <laughs> I need a little more info. B Tom's, what do you got? Yeah, I don't know what I got. Um, I'll, you want me to take it? Lowest then? hanging fruit. The Grump. David. David, okay. We're supposed Any to think reasoning? he did it, and he did. Fuck David. <laughs> That's it. Fuck that guy. Okay. Um, and then I'm gonna put my first guess on the board as actually being. I, I think Martin's gonna be involved in this. Martin, cool. the filmmaker, and I think an additional guess I'll put on the board is I think he's a sleeper Andy invite and not a Lee invite, even though he is a creative filmmaker. But some of the things he was saying right off the bat got me curious because he was reading the book too on the plane. Right. So that was my only like flag of he could be more in on it than we could have known. But right now I'm sticking with Martin and I'm just guaranteeing I'll, I'll say this at the end of every podcast too, that Lee is clean. She's good. She ain't the killer. I'm going to, I'm going to guarantee one as as well. Lume, clean. She's just just sassy. That's it. She's just kind of like a cool older woman. That's all I got. Lume, safe. Okay, B-Toms, give us us someone that's definitely not suspicious. Uh, (laughs) Um, I thought I only had to have a suspect. Um, (laughs) Zeba. 
Ziva. Right. Okay. They want Ziva us to think is. she's bad and she ain't. She's clean. <laughs> she's clean. So, clean so your reason for David is because they want us to think it's him. So it is him. But for Ziva, they want us to think it's her, but it's not her. One of them <laughs> got to be right. <laughs> Unless Ziva's the killer. I'm screwed. <laughs> Uh, that's good. <laughs> that would be uh that would be a shambles. That's anybody it. else? Anybody got another thing to say? No, all good. Nah. Oh, that was a fun one. That's gonna be a wrap on our first two episodes of a murder at the end of the world. Uh that was a fun one. Been a while since Finchtown TV did like a mystery. And yeah, you know, I think the the next five episodes are just gonna be all uphill from here. Uphill in mm-hmm. a good way. Yes. Like, all, all rise. Yeah. All rise. Thank you. That's what I was going. And I ain't no judge. I ain't no judge. <laughs> As always, if you like what you heard, give Finchtown TV a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Visit us on FinchtownTV.com and subscribe to our show on Spotify, YouTube, the Apple Podcast app, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Once again, we are Finchtown TV. And thanks for listening. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 